But, you know, we are now in this transition period from deep tech startup to scale up towards commercial organizations. So it's a really dynamic time for us as a business as we start to make that transition, you know, from the awkward teenage years to a proper adult company. It's moving very fast. The momentum is increasing and we're getting very excited for that mission. Hey, Space World Trust. This is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trans great people and awesome events. The teenage company on the transition is Astroscale. And my guest is Andrew Fayola, Commercial Director of Astroscale UK. At the 38th Space Symposium in Colorado Springs, I had the chance to meet on the end of the second day with Andrew, while the rest of the exhibition hall was networking, to talk about his recent start at Astroscale, the new market segment, and their current and upcoming missions in space. I'm Thorsten publisher of spacewatch.global. Enjoy this conversation. Andrew, thanks for giving me your prestige time at this very late hour in the day. Thank you for being here. Uh, Torsten, thank you for having me. It's a good opportunity to step away and take a small break from what's been a very, very busy show. Andrew, we know each other for quite some time in the industry. And when I heard your move from the telecom sector, a very established sector where the business models are clear, where yeah, the actors are clear, and this entire environment we would, I think, call old space today. Moving to astro scale, I said, wow, that is very brave. What brought you over? Well, I think I hate to use the term old space because I still have very fond memories of a very long career in that satcoms industry, and there are constant innovations going on there, whether it's on the ground or in space. But you're right. Established companies, established business models, many things that I already knew a good deal about, and an opportunity came along to make a uh, zigzag in the road, perhaps, and move towards the space industry proper away from satcoms and astroscale knocked on my door and i didn't have to think very long about coming over to astroscale the mission that astroscale is on is enthralling and the opportunity to contribute to that and hopefully make the company and this new market of in-orbit services a success is extremely attractive. And like you say, it's a little bit of a leap into the unknown, but it's a chance to build something entirely new and entirely new that will help generations to come. I think this entirely new is something you should elaborate because it's not a new product. It's not a new algorithm or a new tech thing, sensor. No, we talk about a complete new infrastructure, a new environment, and a complete new market. And with that, can you allude a bit more about Astroscale's business and how that converted over the years? So Astroscale as a global company is actually developing a number of different products across a number of different orbits and types of services. So geo life extension, in-space situational awareness, active debris removal for unprepared spacecraft, and end-of-life services for prepared spacecraft in low Earth orbit, like 
constellations of communication satellites or Earth observation satellite or what have you. But you're absolutely right. There are spacecraft, there are different types of technologies that are available, Mm -hmm. but Astroscale is bringing together technology in a way to service spacecraft in different orbits, particularly in my case, in low Earth orbits, in a way that's never been done before. And it is having to, in fact, establish the entire infrastructure of a market from the products themselves that we're going to be bringing to the market, but helping to influence the regulatory environment, the financial neighborhood, as well as insurance. So all of these pieces have to come together in the right way for this whole market to be a success, not just for Astroscale, but for its competitors, its customers, and anybody else watching this space. I love all the four pillars of the setup, because wherever we go, we come to a point that you're the first ones, or it hasn't been done before, because again, it's new and regulatory. One of the fields, what is very close to our heart, I say, wow, you do on-orbit servicing on an asset that is not yours, and something happens, something goes wrong. And then the insurance comes in, which insurance we learned today that one per mil of the LEO satellites are just insured. And the other statement today I took from the floor was, in three to five years, satellites will not be insurable anymore. I had to let that sink in what that means. That means we are shooting out in the blue and wait that nothing happens. Can you give us a business update before we go then to a mission update? I think we've been very, very fortunate in that the financial markets have shown a great deal of confidence in our technology, in our business plan, in the people that are building the company. So just a couple of months ago, we closed our Series G funding round for $76 million. So total funding now $376 million, a real boost of confidence in both Astroscale itself, as well as the idea that this is a market that is developing and we're one of the pioneering companies there. So that's fantastic. And then on May the 4th this year, we'll be celebrating our 10th anniversary. So we're now... May the 4th re- yeah. with you. Okay, it, yes, it has to come. We, of course, <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. But, you know, we are now in this transition period from deep tech startup to scale up towards commercial organizations. So it's a really dynamic time for us as a business mm-hmm. as we start to make that transition, you know, from the awkward teenage years to a proper adult company. 350 million is a significant number. And I learned from Mark Boggett from Seraphine, they're doing their quarterly report on investments that Q1 this year was the first time that investment in Europe was higher in the space sector than in the US. That's an interesting observation. Let's talk about the missions. Let's talk about ELSA-M. I think that's the newest kit on the block. Yes, you're absolutely right. So ELSA-M is the follow-on mission from ELSA-D, which is the in-orbit demonstration mission that was launched in 2021 to demonstrate the release and capture and rendezvous and proximity operations of our spacecraft with a uh, client that we brought with us. 
Can you update us on that before we talk about LSAM? So maybe you can summarize that and then we just move on. Sure. I mean, the mission itself was a success in the fact that we brought the client with us, we released the client, and we were able to then rendezvous successfully with the client. There were some other, let's say, bumps along the way, but we're now in the process of the plan to deorbit the spacecraft and sustainably remove it from low Earth orbit. So now we move on to the next one, which is for Astroscale in the UK is ELSA-M, which is another demonstration mission where we will, working with our partners in the Project Sunrise program from ESA with OneWeb and UK Space Agency, we will be launching effectively the commercial version of our servicer to go up into low Earth orbit and remove a OneWeb satellite from orbit and then deorbit that along with the servicer. So that program's currently underway. In fact, although it's not due for launch until 2025, we just last week shipped the SQM, the structural qualification model, from our clean room where we're building the spacecraft in Harwell in our offices down to Toulouse for uh, testing. So the structural qualification model is under test now. We're rapidly approaching our uh, CDR. So it's moving very fast. The momentum is increasing and we're getting very excited for that mission. Will ELSA-M satellite have the same form factor than ELSA-D? I mean, definitely your client will be this time much bigger with yeah. one, one web. So ELSA-D was sort of a half-scale size of ELSA-M. ELSA-M will be the full-size model that will then go into commercial production. Thank you very much for this mission updates. Let's talk a bit more on, on a meta level. So how can we tackle active debris removal or any of the on-orbit servicing me mechanisms, etc. in 23. What are the challenges out of this bucket you mentioned before, these are four pillars? Yes. So as we sort of head towards commercial service, you know, there are these challenges around the appropriate regulatory environment, finance, insurance, as I mentioned. But there is a lot of different types of debris up there. And so our view is the best way to limit the chances for more collisions in the future is to start to remove the largest or the spacecraft that are in the most dangerous orbits first, the most congested yeah. orbits. So we have to sort of focus on those. But to a point I think you made earlier, not all of those objects are owned by people that are sort of willing to perhaps participate with that. We are not permitted to just remove any old object, right? Sure. We need to have permission to do so. So that is a challenge that we will hopefully look to work on as we move forward. But then just slowly starting to remove those, mm -hmm. uh, let's say, most dangerous objects. How supportive is the UK government in that term? Because they're on the forefront when it comes to space sustainability. Are they supportive also to you? Yeah, the UK government has been fabulous, to be honest with you. Both the UK Space Agency as well as other government ministries have really been supportive of what we're doing. There's a clear vision from the UK government that they want to lead the world in the sustainability space. 
And they're putting in place the building blocks to make that happen. So we see them uh, as a really good partner. I mean, it comes down to then launch license, operator status, all of that. And when the government is supportive, then at least these hurdles are then very low. Yeah, I think it, it is really a case of the government looking at how we can achieve these things rather than the reasons why not. If you look at the work that the Civil Aviation Authority did in licensing LSA-D, for example, they really leaned forward into figuring out, okay, how do we make that happen safely rather than putting up hurdle after hurdle? And it's this kind of really positive mindset that has yeah been very beneficial for us and I think for the UK itself as cool. as p- positioning itself as a leader in this area. Last question, what can we expect this year from AstroScale or from you? Well, I think from AstroScale itself, we have, even this year, we have a number of really uh, interesting things coming up. As I mentioned, we have our ELSA structural qualification module under test now. Uh, we have our 10th anniversary coming up. May the 4th be with you. We also then have coming up later in the summer, our Japanese colleagues are launching their Address J mission, which will be going up to survey a H-2A rocket body with the intent of a follow-on mission that will actually dock and deorbit that rocket body. The first mission is really a reconnaissance mission, but it will enable us to do more flight-proven software testing of our flight dynamic software. The UK office is actually going to be running ground segment operations for the uh, mission itself. So we're quite involved in that as well. So that's coming up later this year. As I mentioned, CDR for ELSA-M. So 2023 is going to be uh, action-packed. Pretty good. It's a very, very good heritage year then. Definitely. Andrew, thank you very much for your time. And now I let you go back. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to to talk to you, Torsten. Thank Thank you. If you have further questions, reach out to us at radio at spacewatch.global. If you like these or other episodes of Space Cafe Radio, leave us a rating on your preferred podcast platform. It is the currency of today. And if you want to stay on the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course... Don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Torsten Kreening, publisher at spacewatch.global, your independent perspective on space. Mm-hmm.